This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca. And welcome to the Monday edition of Game Misconduct. I'm Don LaGreca with Anthony Pusick, and Monday means the NHL Network star. You can see him on uh, behind the desk. You can hear him doing play-by-play. Got to call nine goals, eight for the stars over the Lightning on Saturday. He's EJ Raddick. How are you, sir? I'm good. I'm good, yeah. And I got to call five more on Sunday with the Wild and the Blackhawks. Okay, there you go. resurgent Minnesota Wild. That's right. And Anthony asked the question last week about the ticking time bomb that was Dean Evason, and they make the move, and they haven't lost since. Yeah, I mean, listen, we've seen this movie before with coaching changes where you know, teams kind of uh, get a bump, right, from a change. I think just watching Minnesota in the game uh, yesterday, now they were playing the Chicago Blackhawks, who are, you know, they're a rebuilding team to begin with, and then they've had some certainly some significant issues. Taylor Hall, done with injury, the whole Corey Perry circumstance, him no longer being part of their team. They went out and traded for Anthony Beauvillier, but he could not play in the game yesterday because he had a visa issue. He played on mm. Saturday in Winnipeg because he could play in Canada. He could not play in Minnesota. I guess they'll get that squared away. But Chicago, not the most dangerous of opponents right now. But I thought Minnesota watching them, and you know, maybe it's just a more uh, you're more attentive when there's been a change and there's been a new voice. But I thought they just moved up. It was quick puck touches. They played north-south the whole game for the most part. And I thought that was... Uh, what was making them successful in the game is just they kept moving the puck forward and um, and made it hard for Chicago. And once they get in the offensive zone, they really did a good job forechecking a you know inexperienced uh, Chicago defense. Hmm. So you know, good for the Wild. They're off to a good start with John Hines. They go on a four-game road trip and starting Calgary, I believe, tomorrow. So the tests will be harder, but uh, they played well and and Brock Faber on defense. I mean, he is playing. He's playing the most minutes on defense among rookies. Most most minutes among rookies. Period. And I've been really impressed. I was really impressed with him and Marco Rossi after dealing with injury and illness over these last couple of years. He was a ninth overall pick in 2020. He is uh, finally healthy and uh, he played very well yesterday between Zuccarello and Kaprizov. So uh, we'll see if it continues for Minnesota as they head on, out onto the road. You know, I was looking at uh, Kopitar breaking the Kings' assist record yesterday in their 4-1 win over the Avalanche, and I started just thinking, because the Kings have had a lot of great players, but not a lot that's, that, that spent their entire careers there. Um, I guess, you know, Marcel Dion would be the one, even though he did close out with the Rangers, and I think he started in Detroit, but the bulk of his career was with started the Kings. Detroit, but you think about yeah. Curry and yeah. Gretzky and Fjord and Coffey, like a lot of those guys were kind of back and forth. But when you look at Kopitar, who I think has an excellent chance to finish his career in L.A., I mean, top five, top three, best. I mean, where do you throw Kopitar among the greatest Los Angeles Kings of all time? He's very high on the list. I mean, it just depends, as you point out, where you want to place players that were there for different intervals of time, right? I mean, mm-hmm. Luke Robitaille played there for a good portion of his career. Already had a couple of different stops. Uh, Rob Blake had uh, you know two different stops in L.A. Those guys are involved with management now. I would say they're on the list. But Kopitar, if he goes from beginning to end, right, and he's got Stanley Cups on his resume, he's got two, and, and I'll tell you what, 
the LA Kings have a pretty good team right now. Maybe they win another one. Uh, he's got to be probably at the very top. Him and Drew Doughty. Uh, so, uh, great, great player. Great person. Dealing with him over the years. Uh, not, uh, you know, he just goes about his business. Big, strong. Centerman. And I'll tell you, going back to those battles between you know, the LA Kings and the Anaheim Ducks during the Ryan Getzloff era, I think one of the reasons the LA Kings were able to, to beat the Ducks and they were able to win a cup in, in that run and, you know, in 2000, I think it was 14, they might have crossed, crossed paths with the Ducks, was that, that Kopitar just flat out was better than Getzloff when it mattered. And so... Uh, He's a great player. There's no question about it. He's very high in that list. You know, something that I noticed, EJ, about this Kings team is the emergence of Quinton Byfield. And we've seen it with Alexi Lafreniere, with the Rangers this year, uh, that 2020 draft, and everyone was kind of shaking their heads at the fact that neither of those guys have really gotten their footing. Seems like they've found themselves on now the top lines of both of those teams, or at least the top two lines of both of those teams, and have really uh, turned into uh, the players that everyone kind of thought that they would be. Is there something to be said about giving especially younger guys like Byfield and Lafreniere, I mean, Byfield's 21 years old, Lafreniere's 22, giving these guys some time in the league to mature, not everybody's going to be a Connor Bedard or a Connor McDavid or a Sidney Crosby, and giving these guys a chance to get their footing and then turn into the players we expect them to be when teams take them in the top five? Yeah, I think you got to give people time to develop, right? I mean, uh, I think the guys that do have that you get that benefit. I mean, it's a completely different sport, but, you know, look at, we just saw the Monday Night Football game or Sunday Night Football game last night with Jordan Love, who had had a couple of years to kind of work at the, uh, you know, as a, at the foot of Aaron Rodgers and, uh, you know, kind of like Rodgers worked, you know, at the foot of Brett Favre. And, you know, he's come onto the scene now and, you know, this is a more mature player and he's had more experience and, uh, He's older and physically stronger and physically ment- mentally stronger. So, you know, I think in hockey it's the same thing. We ask these kids sometimes to come in at 18 years of age. I didn't think, like, Jack Hughes came into the league. I thought he was in the league a year too soon. Luckily, it didn't. It wasn't to his detriment, really, and he's gone on to become a wonderful player that everybody thought he was going to be. But sometimes it takes a little time. You know, what we went through, you know, think about the 2020 draft, right? I mean, we went through a, a worldwide pandemic, and things changed, and teams uh, played different schedules and, you know, development was was hindered a bit. So, you know, Lafreniere getting a chance to play, you know, on the high end uh, with the high end players is really emerging right now. And the same could be said for Byfield. Byfield was drafted as a center. He's gotten an opportunity to move over to the wing. And uh, he's a big bodied guy. He has a lot of skill. I think he was the youngest player in that draft class, or he's one of the youngest. So, you know, good for him. Good for Lafreniere. Uh, They play in you know, high-profile markets, and, uh, you know, fans were expecting a lot, and uh, I'm glad to see both those guys are getting an opportunity and, and, and kind of fulfilling some of that expectation at this point. San Jose's playing much better. Uh, they were 6-6-1 six, six and one going into last night's game against the Rangers. Wild game. One of those games that the fans love and the coaches are pulling what hair they have left on their head out. But going back to Friday, Sharks win their first game on the road all year. It's the typical Devils that we've seen consistently, and I know they've got injuries, but so do a lot of other teams. And and I and I know uh, they had 48 shots on goal, but 
I mean, you can't give up six goals on 18 shots. And, I, and I'm tired of blaming the goaltending. Goaltending's not good, but they're they're just too loose with the puck. Uh, they're not a badly coached team. It's the same staff that that had them, you know, humming last year. But they just there seems to be just a lot of disorganization there in New Jersey. Well, they don't defend great. I mean, they've changed up their group on defense, right? I mean, some guys have been in, some guys have been out. Uh, you know, Hamilton's out of the mix now. They brought in Nemec to play. He's a young player. He's another guy, high draft pick, young in the league, and, uh, you know, making his debut, trying to find his way. Luke Hughes has only played, what, you know, uh, 30 games in total, maybe, in his career so far. He's a young player. Um, some of the other defensemen they have are not great defenders. They're more guys that move the puck a little bit. So, um, you know, and they've had some injuries. So you're right. I mean, you put it all together, you stir it up, and you add in goalies that aren't giving them saves when they need it, and you've got a problem. And, you know, I think we, we've always kind of known this about the Devils. I think last year they played so fast, and, you know, everything went right for the Devils last year. People stayed generally healthy for most of the season. They had the puck a lot. They just they pressured you. And the goalies overachieved, quite frankly. I mean, Vanacek played, uh, you know, above what we expect from him. And, uh, you know, Schmidt, I mean, the jury's still in and out with him, right? It's still, up and, it's still out because, you know, he's a young player that needs time to continue to develop. But, uh, you know, they don't defend well. They haven't defended well this year. And they're going to have to fix that at some point soon because... You know, we can sit here and look at it and say, well, they'll figure it out. They'll figure it out. Well, this is a hard league. There's a lot of good teams in the Eastern Conference. I mean, outside of, you know, the Rangers have uh, had this really good start. They've given themselves a cushion, some of those teams in the Atlantic. But uh, there's a lot of teams scrambling for playoff position. And if the Devils can't get their act together defensively, they're going to be on the outside looking in no matter how good they are offensively. Speaking of a team on the outside looking in, Islanders have won their last two games uh, on November 30th. They had the overtime win over the Hurricanes, and now uh, they beat the Panthers uh, on Saturday 4-3. to three. Uh, They did not make a coaching change. Lane Lambert's still the coach, um, but for some reason it seems like their offense is clicking a little bit better. EJ, what is what is it about this Islanders team that's changed over the last week and a half? I, I would love to tell you, Anthony. <laughs> I would love to tell you. But they've got guys out. They've got guys out of defense. Uh, they, you know, they're uh, they, they pluck some guys off waivers. They put Mike Riley in the lineup. I mean, like, I got. I guess the, you know the goaltending has been has been firm, right? They've they've, they've got one of the best duos in the top. Let's say the top two or three duos in the league with Sorokin and Volamov. So that's been firm for them. They have been getting a little bit more scoring, which has been good. Even the other night in Florida, no Barzell, and they still managed to win that game. So. Um, you know, I just—they've got a—they've got a veteran group of guys there, a veteran core that has had some success over the last several years, and uh, you know they understand the urgency of the moment. And about, I mean, that's about the only thing I can say to it is because uh, you know with the guys that are out and uh, with what we've expected from them, when you look at their team, you just don't—you know—you wonder how they find ways to win, especially against better teams. But give them credit; they're hanging in there right now, and uh, you know it's going to be. It's going to be an interesting year in the Eastern Conference because, boy, oh, boy, there's just a lot of there's a lot of chaos. I mean, you know, with Washington, kind of another team finds ways to win. Pittsburgh's up and down. The Flyers are still hanging in there. We just talked about the Devils and the Islanders. Carolina's been winning games, but they're not the typical Carolina team we've seen over the last couple of years. And in the Atlantic, I mean, you have 
you know, we're waiting. Buffalo and Ottawa at the bottom of their division, but like you know, are they going to have a push at all? I just did Tampa against Dallas the other day. They looked gone awful in a in a loss to the Dallas Stars. It was eight one, but then eight days earlier they beat Carolina eight to two in Carolina. So, I mean, I just think it's going to be a scramble to make the playoffs, probably in both conferences, but certainly in the East. Any thoughts on the Corey Perry situation? Well, I mean, it's it's really unfortunate. Corey Perry uh, made a statement or put out a statement that he's dealing with uh, different problems, both uh, alcohol and uh, mental health challenges. So we wish Corey Perry nothing but the best. We don't really know what happened. We hope that whoever was involved uh, from a you know a, someone that is in a work you know uh, someone who works for the organization or is involved around their workplace was someone involved in whatever the incident was that took place. We hope that person or persons is okay. Um, Corey Perry will go through the channels of trying to get help. Hopefully he can. I get the sense that he would like to continue to play. So we'll see how it plays out. I mean, it's just really unfortunate for the Chicago Blackhawks because, you know, they had a plan with this to, you know, to bring in someone like Corey Perry and someone like Taylor Hall as, Older veterans that can help with the development of Connor Bedard, and this has just gone wrong in, in the case of Taylor Hall because of injury, certainly in the case of Corey Perry because of his own personal issues, and then it became uh, an unnecessary and uh, completely false rumor that started on uh, social media that became something that even this weekend. For some reason, the people, the reporters in Winnipeg felt the need to ask an 18-year-old kid about it. I don't know what he was going to say about it, other than to say it was hurtful to uh, his family. Yeah. But, I mean, uh, that's really about all you can say. And I think the Blackhawks, I mean, looking at their team yesterday, I mean, this team is in, you know, they look pretty lifeless in that game. I mean, get some flashes from Bedard. You know, they've got some young players. They get the puck in the zone. They work hard. But, um you know, I think that it's going to be incumbent on Kyle Davidson to go out and maybe find another player or two to bring in a veteran player at some point, like they went out and got Bavillier to kind of help prop up this roster a little bit, because I think it'll be awfully hard for Connor Bedard to go another 60 games in a situation like he's in right now. So, uh, you know, we'll see, but it's just uh, it's unfortunate for everybody involved mm. what happened with Corey Perry, and hopefully, like I said, hopefully nobody... Uh, was was hurt or carries any substantial injury from whatever happened, and hopefully Corey Perry will get the help he needs. Washington, as you said, playing well. And by a lot of matrix, Ovechkin's playing well, too. He's been a plus player. He's got some points, but what is he stuck on five goals? Is there any theory to why the goals aren't coming for him at all? Well, I mean, not really. I mean, uh, you know, he's had shots. And, uh, you know, the puck just hasn't been going in for him right now. I mean, the Washington Capitals are kind of one of those teams. They're a little like the Islanders. You just wonder how they're getting it done. you got to give uh, their group as a whole a lot of credit. Uh, in some cases, uh, you know, Charlie Lindgren, who's the number two goalie there, has been really good when called upon. I think they have a stat. Mike Kelly at Sports Logic and works for us at NHL Network as a stat for goalie steals, and I think he's got four of them. So far this year, he's right. played. You know, he hasn't played a lion's share of the game. So 
they've been getting some some really good goal setting and uh, Spencer Carberry, the new head coach, has has done a nice job with this group. Their power play is maybe that's another reason for Ovechkin. I mean, he's not scoring. They're not scoring on the power play at all. Power play's been absolutely dreadful, which is which is kind of surprising. So, um, I guess we'll see. I mean, he's had a long body of work, right? I mean, now he's he's getting into the late thirties, so. Is uh, is this a case of naturally slowing down? I guess we're going to find out, but uh, you know, I don't think I can put one my finger on that one particular thing right now. Have to see how it plays out over yeah. time. I mean, Ovechkin's one of those guys. He scored a million goals in his career. You know, we could have this conversation next week, and he's going to have six in a week. Yeah, so, I mean, it, it, it does it does happen for him. And like I said, by by a lot of matrix, he's getting a ton of shots on goal. I, I believe last yep. I checked, he was a plus. But so it's not like he's been awful, and he's getting minutes just sometimes, just uh, getting a little snake bit. And there sit the Rangers, you know. Uh, and I don't, yep. I don't know why there isn't more attention on their start. I mean, they, no Ranger team in their history it goes back to 1926 had 37 points in their first 22 games, and I don't know whether it's because well they're supposed to be good. Um, look at Boston last year. We got all giddy and what happened. I, I understand it's a playoff sport, but um, I, I think and I and they had the stinker on Monday against Buffalo, and they were not good last night at all. But um, overall, it's been just a really it's been fun watching this team over the first 22 games of the season. Yeah, I mean uh, they've won 14 of their of their games. Uh, was there 15 in regulation? Right. So I mean, uh, out of the out of the 18 wins. So, I mean, they're playing really good hockey. They're finding ways to win. I, I mean, I give them full marks for that win last night over San Jose. I mean, you know, yeah, San Jose is a doormat in the league this year. They have played better in the last, uh, you know, couple of weeks after that dreadful start. Rangers are playing the second of a back-to-back after coming back in from Nashville. would have been, you know, a game like that can get away from you. And they didn't let it get away from them. They, they found a way to put up the goals and end up winning six five. San Jose had a couple at the end to kind of, you know, make it much, make it close. But you know, that's a good win. I don't care. I mean, this league is hard. No, you're right. And you're playing the second of a back to back. And like, but I think people overlook it, Donnie. Right? They just say, "Well, they're supposed to beat the Sharks." Hey, they had to struggle to beat the Sharks. You know, I'm sure David Quinn had those guys ready to play. The San Jose Sharks. Uh, you know, they played a hard game against Boston. They bounced back and beat New Jersey. And, you know, they came into the garden, and, you know, they're going to play hard. That's that's really what, what the message Mike Greer had to his team a month ago when they had given up the back-to-back games at 10 goals. It's like, you know, losing is understandable. We're trying to rebuild, but, but lack of effort is not. And so the Sharks are playing harder, and that could have been one that got away, and give the Rangers credit for finding their way to win it. They've been really good this year. They're building that cushion. Obviously, the Stanley Cup playoffs don't begin in December. They begin... You know, in April, and that's mm-hmm. when it's going to really matter. But uh, I've been very impressed. And good roster. They got a good coach. They got good players. They're playing hard night to night. And uh, you know, we'll see what happens when the time comes in April. How healthy they are, and how the matchups look, and how they're looking then. But right now, they're certainly uh, to me the Rangers and the Florida Panthers are the two teams I like the most in the Eastern Conference. So we'll see how it plays out. Something that Don and I discussed a lot on Friday, EJ, was the Garnet Hathaway hit, game misconduct, penalty, all of it. Um, but I was wondering to get your take on this, and Don, you too, because I 
don't remember much of the Scott Stevens era because he retired in 2004 and around the lockout, that lockout, I know we have to label lockouts, was when I really started getting into the sport uh, the way that I am now. Um, but John Tortorella said about the hit afterwards, um, our players in this league do not put enough emphasis on making sure you're protecting yourself from hits like that, making sure you absorb hits like that. Obviously, he didn't think that the hit was bad. Don also agreed, didn't think it was worth a penalty or a game misconduct. It's something that's kind of going around a lot of sports, including the NFL. Do you feel like, whether it's in juniors or college, these guys are not prepared to absorb hits the way they're supposed to, or they're not teaching how to hit and how to hit properly to avoid serious injury, to avoid hits like this that may be borderline? Um, and if so, how do we, how as a sport do they rectify that? Well, I think the world is, has changed and the way these guys uh, become NHL players has changed over time. The way they develop as young players. Game is a faster game. There's still physical play, but there's not the the endless physical play. Let's say that you would have seen, you know, as a, as a young player growing up in 1960 or 1980 or even in 1995, maybe. But it's certainly changed now. There's a real emphasis on speed and skill and skill development. And so, yeah, I think that uh, some of what Tortorella says is, is accurate, that guys are not, don't go into areas sometimes not expecting to be hit, uh, don't protect themselves enough, and it's problematic. I mean, because at the end of the day, the rules are you can still deliver, you know, blows like that. And so, yeah, I think there's something to it. I mean, I think that, you know, that whole... That whole circumstance in that game, first of all, the linesman didn't blow the whistle early enough. It was an icing right. on the play. So if there was a whistle blown there, maybe there's no contact at all, or a whistle blown sooner than than it was. So that was one thing. Um, Tortorella's protecting his player who got thrown out of the game. Um, you know, I, I feel like with these coaches, they get on the soapbox when it impacts their team. Right. When... It impacts when the shoe is on the other foot. And let's say for the lack of a better example, let's just say it was last year because Miles Wood comes to mind right away for me in New Jersey. Let's say he came in really hard and hit Cam York, who was a young first-round pick of the Flyers in that situation, right? I don't think the level of discussion would have been the same from John Tortorella right. or anybody with the Philadelphia Flyers, right? So, you know, that's always the thing that, that kind of irks me a little bit as someone who's covered this game on a national level for many, many, many years now, is that people get on the soapbox when one of their players they feel has been wronged. I think Tortorella has got a good point about players defending themselves, um, but I was on the air that night. I got a couple of notes from different people. I think referees try to you know, when they make calls in real time and see these things happen, they are trying to control the game and control the temperature of the game, and these things happen in real time, and they don't have an opportunity to... In this case, they could look at the video, but still it was uh, a play where a high hit, the guy was down, and, you know, we can go back and forth on whether it should be a penalty, should be a suspension, whatever. I, I just think it's funny that coaches, managers broadcasters of different teams they always they're on the soapbox when it impacts their team in a negative way if the shoe was exactly reversed i don't think john Turner would no. talk about it at all so 
like I said, what does they say? I think he makes a, a very good point, and I think I see it all the time around the league, and players should try to do what they can to protect themselves better in those situations. I find I, I do have a hard time when teams scout only because yeah. the circumstance that involves one of their players. But, you know... <laughs> Clearly, the the days of, of of the Scott Stevens hits are over, and it's probably for the better because they, they were pretty devastating legal at the time. But you can't have it both yeah. ways, you know, right? You know, like Don, I I saw a play in a game the other day, the in the the Dallas Tampa game that I did, and I am gonna I'm forgetting the Tampa player who stepped up and delivered the blow, erratic Foxer in the neutral zone. It might have been Calvin DeHaan, actually. Mm not known as a physical player, but he delivered a textbook open ice hit to Roddick Fox. He had his knees bent, delivered a hit, led with his shoulder, hit through the body. Fox got the wind knocked out and went to the bench. Fortunately, he was okay as far as I know. But to me, those hits are, you can have those hits all day long, six, day, six days a week and twice on Sunday. Yeah. It's just when guys take hits where they're leaning upward, hitting guys in the head, reckless hits. Those are the ones taking advantage of someone who may be engaged with another player. But a hit like Cal Vahan threw the other day in that game against Dallas, I mean, like I said, great hit. I don't know what else to say about it, but that's the thing sometimes. Right. Guys don't know necessarily how to hit. Anymore, and I think that's part of the problem. Well, that's they well, don't that, know how to how to bend the knees and deliver that shoulder through the body. It's it's, it's not an easy play to make. See, that's why the '80s were great to me because you had all the violent collisions and yet still had tremendous skill. I remember it well. It seems like <laughs> in order to get the skill, EJ, that means guys are going to have to get hit less. I mean, that's just the way that it is. So they're going to admire their passes, and they're going to do all the things that they do with their head down, knowing that they're not going to get smushed like they would have 25, 30 years ago. So if you love all the open ice and you love all the offense, it, I, I think it's come at the expense of the real hits. And then when you do get a legal hit, we see this with Truba a lot with the Rangers, he still has to answer to it, even if it's perfectly legal, because we're so shocked when somebody ends up on their fanny, the other team decides they've got to retaliate, and because yeah. it's just it's not the same game. And, and listen, everything changes, everything evolves, and certainly with the concussions and the head injuries that a lot of those guys in the 70s and 80s suffered, it's for the better, but I think the reason the game has opened up and the reason we see so many 100-point scores and so many 50-goal scores and all that and, and these exciting, fun 6-5 games is because it's a less violent sport. Yeah, well, I mean, the game is not the same game anymore because it's just flat-out faster, right? right? I mean, uh, you know, I can remember talking to the, the late, great Mike Bossy. It's sad to think that he's not with us anymore because he's a real, he's still a very young man, so... Um, but when I think talking to Mike and you know about his and when he played, he said, you know, I knew the you know the guys on the bottom six forward and the you know the second third pair defensemen. He goes, I knew who I could go around, you know. And he goes, now he goes watching these games. I mean, all the players can skate and can do things. And he goes, it's just not you know. There's all the back pressure now and the videos, the video now, the video coaching and all the skill development, I mean, everybody can make nice plays if they have the time and the space. The game is so fast now, so I think it makes it even harder 
to find, you know, to, to make those really legal, hard collisions. And, you know, to your point about guys, you know, admiring passes or having their head down, you know, in this game, you still better have your head up. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so that part of it, I mean, I think Tortorella made a really good point about the guys just, you know, it's, it's something that guys are not as aware of now or because the game has changed. But it is still legal to deliver a blow. And if you have your head down, you're, you put yourself in peril. And if you go in the corner and just blindly turn your back, I mean, you got to be expecting that you might be hit in those situations. So, uh, you know, it is up to, it's an incumbent really on the, the coaches and the coaches that are at the development levels to continue to kind of make that known to the players. But certainly it's not the same game as it was just because it's just way faster now. Yeah. I think it was uh, Connor McDavid was a Myron a pass the other day, got hit. So you're right. you got to have your head on a swivel, just not quite as much, Anthony, as back in the day. Boy, there was something yeah. about some of those hits from, from Stevens. But uh, ask uh, Paul Correa in the, in, the, uh, in the 2003 Stanley Cup Final, Ron Francis. It's like football, right, yeah. EJ? I mean, you're a big football fan. I mean, as much as they've, yeah. they've got rid of those hits, there is something that you kind of remember fondly about – the violence of the sport that, you know, well, it's good that it's gone, right but you then, still right? kind of miss it. Yeah, like when I see footage of, you know, Dick Butkus or Ray Nitschke, the guys that played when I was a kid, you know, when I was a small boy, I mean, they're like literally trying to rip the head off an opponent. And some of the plays that happen in the NFL with quarterbacks getting hit, I mean, it's mind-boggling compared to today when, you know, mm-hmm quarterback is really well protected I guess rightfully so I mean when you think about that it's like goalies I mean you know you gotta protect these guys they're in a stable environment there they have the focus there on them and if you know you're running through the crease and running through goalies and you know let's face it I mean you know the Rangers without Igor Shesterkin for a long stretch of time are not the same team right I mean uh, you know the same could be said for Vancouver without uh, Demko or Dallas without Ottinger I mean um, you know, these are valuable, valuable assets, and in the NFL, it's the same way with the with the quarterback. So, um, you know, but it is way different for sure than it used to be. All right, great job, man. Have a lot of fun. Now, you, what are you calling uh, anything this weekend? I got uh, Boston and Arizona on Saturday. Okay. Nice, that's a fun one. And the Coyotes, because the Coyotes have been playing much better, and uh, they're getting some really good goaltending. Um, you know, from a little bit of a surprise source, right? When you think about it, uh, you know, to have Connor Ingram playing as well as he's playing. I mean, up over nine two, over nine two five save percentage so far, and he's really produ- produced very well. And I mean, everybody thought Vanelka has been the guy in the last couple of years, but he's struggled. Connor Ingram is playing very well. Clayton Keller, obviously an emerging star in this league. Young Logan Cooley's. You know, been uh, you know finding his way, and you know we know about the Boston Bruins. So uh, yeah, I expect that to be an entertaining game, a competitive game, and uh, got that on Saturday. And uh, we'll have some games coming up in December. Then the World Junior Championships that start uh, the day after Christmas. U.S. and Norway is our first uh, game nice. of the round robin, and that's going to be really exciting for me to get an opportunity to call that tournament for a second time. But this time, I get to call it when. It's usual time space, which is in December and January. So it yeah. Awesome, man. Enjoy. We'll talk to you next week. 
right, you got it, guys. All right, that's the great EJ Raddick joins us every Monday here on Game Misconduct. Six games, Anthony, tonight on the schedule. I think uh, a couple of good ones at 7 o'clock. Penguins at the Flyers, I think, is pretty interesting. Essentially the same record. Pittsburgh has played one less game, so has one less win. But I think that's a fun one in the Metropolitan Division. Two teams trying to claw their way back into the playoffs. Yeah, they don't like each other. I think that's fair. That's a nice uh, history there. And uh, Stars at the Lightning. The Lightning have lost four in a row, including that 8-1 destruction in Dallas. So you don't normally see a home-and-home between two teams at a conference, but that's what you got tonight in Tampa. Yeah, the Stars are pretty good. They're very good. And the Lightning are still trying to get their footing. Um, That should be an interesting one. Um, 7.30, Kraken at the Canadians. Not as interesting. I was just going to say, I was gonna, I'll give you a dollar to say something interesting about that, other than just that you're a hockey guy. Uh, Jets home for the Hurricanes. The Jets have played pretty well. The Hurricanes, you know, say this about the Rangers. It's it's interesting. You know, it's not just the Rangers playing well. I mean, they've got an eight-point lead in the division. Yeah. Same amount of games played, four more wins. I mean, so it's pretty interesting that uh, when you look at the discrepancy, like, all right, the Rangers are in first place by eight points. Boston is in first place by seven, so it's less than that. In the Central Division, Colorado and Dallas are separated by just a point, and Vegas and Vancouver are separated by just three. So they've got the largest lead, and then the goal differential is pretty significant, too. There's a plus 16 goal differential between the Rangers and the Hurricanes, plus 12 for Boston and Florida. Uh, Dallas actually has a better goal differential than Colorado. Same with uh, Vegas and and, and uh Vancouver. Vancouver's got the better goal differential. So really, uh, the Rangers have just played outstanding, outstanding hockey. Probably deserves a little bit more attention than it's getting. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's just that the Rangers have played have played so well. Um, yeah. And like you said, the Jets have played great. Um, they're one of the best teams in the West. I, I find that I find that game to be fascinating. Um, probably, if I had to pick one game to watch tonight, that would probably be the one. I think Penguins Flyers, you'll get your your fireworks. So if you're looking for yeah. that, go, go crazy. Um, but I'm I'm very interested in Hurricanes Jets because I'm interested to see how those two teams would match up against each other. Yeah, Capitals Coyotes not bad either, and uh, Golden Knights uh, home against the Blues to round this out. Uh, tomorrow uh, on Wednesday when we reconvene, we'll get into your tweets and get into your conversation socially at Don Lagreca hashtag Game Misconduct or at Anthony Pusick hashtag Game Misconduct. Let's do this again on Wednesday, buddy. That sounds like fun. All right, this was the Monday edition of Game Misconduct. This is the Game Misconduct podcast with Don Lagreca.